All right, everybody. Hi, Ben. I'm here with Dr. Jeremy Schwartz, who is who wears many hats here at Yale, and we are delighted to have him uh, on this day in the Mid-Peds Noon Conference. So, uh, true to form of a Mid-Peds trained physician, he does a lot of things here. So, you might know him as the firm chief of SLA3. But also, there's a lot of other things going on. One, he's a, one of the world's experts on chronic disease among uh, emerging countries, especially in the Caribbean, and has this far-reaching uh, research base around that, uh, where he, in addition to having a faculty appointment at the medical school, he's got a faculty appointment in the School of Public Health. Yeah, and you picked up an MPH, from, nope, not, I tacked on an extra degree. Um, I just assumed, I just assumed you, I, okay, MD only, and yet pretty impressive research bona fides. Um, uh, undergrad, Cornell, med school, University of Rochester, came here to the Yale Med Pizza program and graduated so long ago, I can't even remember. I'll that. tell you, we came in 2006, we graduated in 2010. Okay. And Ooh. chief was 2010 to 2011. Yeah. yeah. So I remember sitting in the rank meeting mm. oh, no. when we discussed you actually. <laughs> yes. And um, cause you came as a couple. We did. And that was, did you guys know that? You know Tracy Raven? Nice. Right, because some people meet each other here and then I marry you. <laughs> um, I got sidetracked. Oh, so then the topic today. Yeah, you were you were mentioning the rank meeting, but we can move on. So the so the topic today is uh I came up with this broad topic, global uh chronic disease, global health and other adventures from a MedPeds firm chief. Great. Dr. Schwartz, what do you have to share with us today? Ben, thank you for having me. Um, the fact that we're podcasting this is making it a little um, more formal sounding, but- No, gonna... but Dr. Tolovic is giggling. She is. Uh, Josh, I was wondering if you had any um, uh, more succinct title. <laughs> No, that's good. That's good. Okay, so we'll stick with that. Um, yeah, no, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I don't, I don't interface a ton with the Midfields universe as, uh, anymore, so it's really great. And thank you, Ben, for having me. Um, as I said before, you started recording. I want this to be so I don't have a prepared talk. Ben asked me to sort of talk about my career path, and so. I was thinking last night a little bit about this, um, and you know where where I start the story, like where you start the story, sort of defines how you how how it goes and how you weave it together. Often, my like when I give talks about my research, I often uh, will start with like the beginning of my work in Uganda, which was actually when I was in medical school. Um, but then I was thinking, well, I'm talking to med with MedPeds residents, so I should definitely talk about my very non-linear path during residency Woo! <laughs> um, and 
then Tracy, my wife, was suggesting that I, I make sure to include like every acronym I came up with along the way because I don't know it's an acronym. But um, so, uh, well, so for clarification, Ben mentioned um, global chronic diseases and Caribbean. I do I do some work in the Caribbean, but that actually is not work that's my own. I, I'm the medical director now for a decade of a large project going on in the Caribbean. But my work is really focused in East Africa, uh, in the country of Uganda, where I've been working since I was in medical school. Um, and so I'll just like abbreviate that that piece. So basically, uh, went to University of Rochester for, med for medical school, and um, I had always, I had done a lot of traveling. I spent time in Sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, at this point in my life, obviously, I was in medical school. I, I knew I wanted to be a doctor, but I wanted to figure out, like, how do we merge this global interest and at the time this was like you know early 2000s and like you think of what was then really called sort of international health global health was sort of catching catching on but it was really it like you think about infectious diseases as like people who you know want to do global or international health like they did it but i wasn't really sure about that um so I was in medical school there was this the national institutes of health nih announced this new program where they were actually using the same uh, computer program to match um, fellow, well, hold on, I'm speeding ahead. So they announced a new program where they were gonna take longstanding US and international collaborations that were funded by the NIH, so all from all over the world, and, um, and match a, an American trainee and a twinned local trainee together for a year-long mentored clinical research project. I thought this sounded really cool. So I interviewed and ended up being brought down to Bethesda as a finalist, uh, which is where I found out that they were using the, the, the same person who had designed the match, mm. like the computer program for the match, had designed the computer program to, to facilitate matching in this, which I thought was a cool uh, piece of it. But so yeah, I, I interviewed with a whole bunch of, of PIs and was matched with this program in Uganda, um, in the capital city of Kampala. It was a longstanding, research collaboration focused on tuberculosis. And um, so I went there for the year. I really fell in love with the country and people. Um, I didn't know what I, if I had fallen in love with TB as a topic, but I you know, got my feet wet a little bit in global health, international research, and came back and finished medical school. And then as Ben was alluding to, came here for residency. Um, so the years of residency were obviously like all of you experience, you know, incredibly challenging, um, and incredibly fulfilling. Um, but there was a moment early on when we were having some sort of social event. I think we were interns and I, I knew about like all of this, all of these residents were being, um, sent to far and away places through the International Health Collective. And we had all this presence all over the world, but there were no, uh, there was no like systematic effort to put chief residents or more, you know, trained physicians from Yale there to help supervise the residents. So I casually mentioned this to uh, Steve Hewitt, actually. Because he wasn't the program director. Uh, oh, he was still, he was a co-director. He was the, yeah, he was either co-director. Yeah, I think as an intern, he was co-director yeah. with Rachel. Um, uh, anyway, I said, you know what? You, you should think about putting chief residents, you know, assigning chief residents in, in global health. Uh, and so anyway, like fast forward a couple of years and um, 
Steve came back to Tracy and myself and said, do you guys want to be chief residents in global health? And that, that actually sort of opened the window to the rest of my career, which I can talk about, but it gave me this opportunity, gave us this opportunity to go back to the same place where, where we had, I had spent a year and Tracy had spent significant time during that year um, to develop and nurture relationships and practice clinical medicine and teach residents and teach Ugandan residents and students. And out of that sort of very organically came everything else, which we can talk about. But I also just wanted to talk about like the journey during residency because um, every rotation, I, I don't know about you guys, but I felt like, or my memory is that every time I was on a new rotation, that's what I wanted to be. Like that's what I wanted to do. And I was, very serious about cardiology. I was very serious about nephrology. I actually went with you, Ben, I don't know if you remember, to an HIV conference in New York City. Oh, yeah. Day long. And at the time, I was really interested in oncology, right? Like, like so circuitous. You wanted to be. Yes. So Paul Volberding, who was this world yeah, famous this. Uh, HIV oncologist, had sort of defined, created the field, was speaking. And I was like, I want to be that guy. I wrote to him after the conference. A week or two later, we had this hour-long phone call, and I was like seeing that as my future. I remember you were in clinic, and you said, "I want to be an expert in HIV-related lymphomas yeah. in Africa." Yeah. Like that right. was my job. That's like, that I, was the thing yeah. I wanted to do. Right. So I kept like redefining every step of the way. Like what I, I can look. Looks like Jake slash Natalie. Hey. Okay. Um, right. So, yeah, so I, so I was like taking a lot very seriously. And then like in third year, I switched to definitely wanting to become a primary care doctor. And I was going to open the first MedPeds practice in New Haven right. with Jen Rubin, who was a oh. year below me. We were serious about it. And have, we're having conversations with like people who are doing innovative, you know, innovative uh, primary care practices. We had an acronym that actually J.D. Tallwalker uh, uh, suggested, which was IMPACT, or Internal Medicine Pediatrics mm -hmm. Associates of Connecticut. Oh, yeah. Which you are all free to use if any of you That's are good. thinking about it. Right? So IMPACT, we like, <laughs> we had, there were a lot of ideas. We were very serious until, so this is now getting back to the global health thing. So then Steve Hewitt comes along and offers us this global health chief thing. And we were like, sure. So Tracy was eight months pregnant at the time with Naomi, who is now 13. And we decided to go back to Uganda for much of the year. We had to take our boards and have a baby and then take our boards. And, and we decided that we would, uh, we would wait till she was six months old. How old is Naomi now? Yeah, 13. So we've had one, maybe two, but the first... ACGME site visit was the oh. day that Naomi was born. Yeah. And I was sitting in this room and the ACGME site visitor was Ray, was Craville, Dr. Craville. And he asked the question, is there any resident on leave? <laughs> <laughs> and Mary Sarah was here and I was sitting, we were right here. And was there any resident on leave? And we knew that Dr. Raven was in labor. Uh -huh. And so we both like looked at the clock and said, not yet, <laughs> but any minute. Uh, Six, anyway, yeah. I just like all these things, yeah, Jeremy, right. it it's all, all coming back. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
so then whenever I see her, I think, ah, how old are you? Oh, that was yeah, when we had this big, big yep. like site visit. Anyway, right. All right. Thank you. For um, yeah, there are lots of, <laughs> lots of residents stories, including the story of when I stabbed myself with that rusty African spear, which probably is a story for another time, another but it's a great one. Um, don't let, just think don't about let that day, happen to you. you. Know, <laughs> have you ever been in a bay in EDD and having Ben Doolittle and other leaders like come running in? I heard you were stabbed. I've not had that experience. Right? No. Don't, no. Don't, <laughs> be don't look towards how, you know, don't. Because wasn't it that because it punctured like it was your right thorax here. or something? I was having fluoridic pain. Yeah, we thought I'd. And then it yeah. was like you got to go in the trauma bay. Oh, yeah, I was in the trauma bay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we can tell that story depending on time. But, um, Right, so, so then we end up in Uganda and we're helping basically, you know, we were trained as clinicians. Um, and so we were teaching and taking care of patients. I was working as a nephrologist, which at the time I was like, oh, I think I'm gonna be a nephrologist. So, um, so I worked alongside a, one of the few nephrologists in Uganda who actually had trained here at Yale. Um, and, uh, you know, practicing, practicing medicine and teaching. And it was during that year that um, both of us really developed this awareness of the chronic disease burdens facing people in low income country settings. And it was really eye-opening because at the time, again, like you'd think of Africa, you'd think of Uganda and you'd think HIV, TB, malaria, right? And many, many people still do, right? Think that way now, but it became really apparent that that was not all at play, that not, not all was at play, that, that there was huge, huge issues around not only the prevalence of disease, but the ability of the health system to take care of people um, with these chronic conditions. And so somewhere along the line, and we still thought at the time we would come back, you know, and I would open this pizza practice or maybe be a nephrologist, who knows? And somewhere along that, that year, we had a mentor conversation uh, with, with Majid Sadiq and Steve Hewitt, and I think you were on the call, I don't remember exactly. And basically we were asked to come back and join faculty. And, um, you know, I didn't have aspirations to be an academic physician at the time, um, but, you know, in Steve Hewitt's grand visionary way, like he already was identifying roles for each of us. Um, and it seemed like it was worth a shot. And so that's what we did. Came back, we were instructors in medicine, um, at the time, I was still seeing patients in Mid-Pete's Clinic. We were based up in Waterbury. And um, yeah, so I, I was like, I became a firm chief or co-firm chief at the time up in Waterbury. Did that alongside Andre Sofer, who I still work alongside now in the same role. Um, and again, like I was, I was trained as a clinician and that's what I was doing. I, I practiced in, in, in patient medicine. I tried for a while to figure out how we were going to do some pediatrics and it there were politics and just didn't, it wasn't, you know, now, now there's a model at least, right? At the time there wasn't really, um, aside, I mean, Ben, you were doing it, but, but for other folks, there wasn't really a, but now you have, you know, Sharon and others who have paved that path, I think a little bit, bit, bit more nicely. So the peds in me started to wane as that be, it became harder and harder to figure out how to do that within my, my job title. Um, and then eventually the outpatient stuff began to wane. And here I was like a med-peds trained doc who was gonna practice med-peds primary care. And now I'm doing internal, inpatient internal medicine. And Natalie's here. 
I thought Natalie was already. <laughs> and uh, and that was hard. To come Nat to Natalie, Natalie and I are both in the uh, Peds workroom. We're both on service right now, so we're uh, passively listening in. And apologies that we can't be there in person. No, that's great. No, thanks. Are there slides? Uh, no, no, no slides. Yep, just voice. Um, yeah. So. Uh, Internal medicine. Yeah, so now I'm like, yeah. right? right? So, the, so it was hard to come to terms. Like, it took a while for me to come to terms with that because it was very different than what I what I had planned. But it also seemed to actually make a lot of sense as this global health stuff was growing in me, um, because it it just it, it fit in terms of being able to sort of do my inpatient medicine and then be able to leave and go back to Uganda. And, um, just it seemed to fit, fit right. Um, anyway, and, and so there's a lot to talk about. I, I don't want to just keep gabbing, but but around that time, you know, we were, developed this interesting global in, in chronic disease, and I wanted to do something. And so we had this grand vision of bringing all these stakeholders in Uganda together to think about like what can we do collectively to address this fragmented nature of chronic disease care that we were seeing. Tracy and I wrote up this concept note and we floated around to people at Yale and eventually like it got some traction and we got a little bit of money to bring some folks here for a week long conference. Uh, and we basically hashed out this idea for a, a research sort of research to policy group that would um, address chronic disease care in Uganda. And that has been the home for my work now for a decade. Um, and, you know, we can talk about how that has built over time, but I don't know. I just, I yeah. think that that journey through residency was very convoluted and um, and hopefully that struck a chord with you guys. And so I'll, I'll just pause and see if you have any questions just about that piece. And I'm happy to talk more about like how the research piece has grown, if that's of interest to you. But um, actually, yeah, Dr. Schwartz, this is lovely, right? I mean, this is... Everybody on the yeah. on this talk is wondering that for themselves, yeah. am I going to become an HIV-related lymphoma physician in sub-Saharan Africa? Is that my destiny right. or nephrology or mid-peds clinician educatorhood yeah. or how do you become a first? Like on and on and on and on. Yeah. Because mid-peds folk, let's face it, we're dreamers. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, if you don't dream it, can't do it yep. and I think like having some imagination is so critical to like our jobs and letting yourself go through those doors as they open you know I think has been a huge lesson for me and like not just entertaining the idea but like really throwing yourself into it and seeing how if it sticks you know because eventually something's stuck um, and I think one of the hard things for well in in applying to residency and then being a resident thinking about your future is like you see a lot of people around you who are very linear um and and some of you may be that too but i never felt very linear and so i i needed to experiment with a lot of different things and um but you know being at a, i think especially at a place like yeah there are a lot of very unidirectionally focused people and that's not a bad thing we need those folks in the world but um but we also need people who can meander a little bit yes uh, all who wander are not lost. Yes. Does anybody have a 
question for the good Dr. Schwartz. I, there's another piece of residency that also I should speak to, which was the refugee health piece. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, actually, yeah, tell Because that was a huge global health. That, that was important in my, like, cultivating this global health interest. The story was based, I mean, do you still have any co former Karen refugees yeah, in your do. clinic? You do have yeah. some? No? Not that you've taken care of? Yeah? Yeah. Well, well, you might not even know that they're Karen. Yeah, I mean, this was a decade ago, right? I mean, those, the, 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 there are people and they still speak Karen. Sure. And you just push this other button that's not Spanish, basically. Right? <laughs> and so, and so, there are, but yeah. there are very few. I mean, the year was like uh, 2009, I would say. Yeah. And um, there was a, a big influx into the country of um, Karen refugees from these Thai. Thai border refugee camps. Yeah, it was, it was um, Burma. Car or, yeah. Uh, yeah, Burma. It's Thailand, the Burmese Thai border. Yeah. And a lot of these folks had lived a generation in these refugee camps on the border. And now they were being resettled to, to, to the States. So I remember uh, the resettlement agency in Waterbury came to Ben and said, I have 66 people who need medical care. Actually, it wasn't even that. It was oh. a randomly, there was one resident, one refugee uh -huh. that showed up in clinic oh. randomly. And it was Joan Jacian's patient. Remember her? Oh, of course. And and it was, and, and the, the, the patient came with like a, a college kid on his summer internship uh -huh. who had a clipboard of names. And then Joan came to me to precept the patient. And she said, I have a Burmese refugee and, and it's Burma, but they, it's called something else, but they called it Burma. Anyway, it's the country mm -hmm. Burma. And so <laughs> I remember <laughs> sitting in my little precepting chair and, and we looked up where Burma was, which do you know where it is? It's like, it's like it's India. Asia. Yeah, it's Southeast where Asia, India yeah. is. And if you keep going east from India, you bump into Burma. And if you keep going through Burma, you end up getting like Vietnam and you go tired, yeah. uh, anyway, so we had to, we didn't know where this was. Mm -hmm. And then I said, uh, you know, and the poor kid had this, the college intern had like the clipboard. And I said, oh, just go to the front desk and make appointments for all of them. We'll be everyone's doctor. Right. And then everybody got mad. You know, they're so like, in, oh, right. It, right. Yeah. So the um, model, you know, the model often is, was, um, you know, go to a refugee clinic, like for your, in, have an intake. And then what comes next is not clear, right? Like then go to, then establish primary care. But Ben was like, let's do it all. It was 66 people. And, um, there was a lot of tension in those in, in those moments because we were ready to be welcoming and of course we were there to provide care but it was so hard yeah um because uh so the the massive cultural divide um i mean you you, you literally had to walk people to the elevator and push the button because there was no you couldn't describe how to take an elevator right but but the language barrier was intense and um you'd call the language line and you could ask for Karin, but there were a handful of Karin translators, interpreters, and you'd get often someone like in Burma or in their <laughs> house somewhere. And 
you, these, 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 uh, you know, as you know, you, you, you've taken care of, of patients like this, I'm sure, but the, the duration, you know, these visits lasted a long time and you'd lose the connection and it was choppy and without the translator, you were completely hand tied. So, um, but, but anyway, there were so many positives to come out of this, like learning how to care for, for refugees from this population. Well, and, and we did really cool stuff. Like we had a community dinner yep. where leaders came that the little restaurant that's closed, you know, when you drive out of the parking garage. So that was a restaurant. Yep. So we had a restaurant with community leaders right across from the police station. Many of them were living. Yep. And we, so we, we went. We had vaccine campaigns. Yeah. We, we went and brought with the nerd, with Kathy. Yeah, we brought like coolers of vaccine and we did health education and it was really an awesome experience. But, um, uh, and then, you know, Ben, ben Tracy and I gave, gave grand rounds together and- um, Wrote it up for JGME. Wrote it up for JGME. Yeah, so there were a lot, there was a lot to come out of it. I remember that home visit was, we showed up there and we were like, okay, vaccines over here. And then wait, yep. my kid has a cold. So yep. we had like the acute care. Yep. Thing. And then health education in, in one room. And everyone in someone's apartment. Yeah. And everyone needed to be dewormed. Uh, and so yep. we were passing around stool specimen, yep. you know, cups. And um, it was special. It was actually. very special. It was a great opportunity. You know, personally, like also an opportunity for leadership and developing a care pathway for clinic and how to do this. Right. And, and your care pathway ended up being the care pathway for the refugee practices here, I oh, think. I don't know, if, I don't know. I mean, I remember sending it down. They oh. said, oh, we're gonna use it. I mean, awesome. I don't know if they're still using it. But, yeah, so um, there was a ton of learning. Of the other one, the, so there was this time where like, everyone was, like no one was showing up at on time for oh, yeah. appointments. And so that like the culture clash was huge because you guys know if you're 15, 20 minutes late, like we mark, you know, put a black dot and mm -hmm. move on, right? Well, like, if you live in a Karen refugee camp, you don't show up at two o'clock. Yeah, you just late? show yeah. up in the morning and you just wait there all day until you get seen. And so the lesion was, there were many lesions, but one of them was that elevator. Yeah. Because the idea of being in a closed box and the door closes and then it, things rumble and then the door opens and you're somewhere else was super was culturally hard. like outside of the realm. Yeah. So, it was literally like an in-service of how this thing works. Yep. And um, and then it got better, but yep. it's still never really great. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was, there was a lot of challenges. But anyway, so, um, so that was just another fascinating piece of, of residency. But it does speak, I think, to the, the spirit that we try to cultivate in MedPeds, right? Like in this room, Dr. McKenna Campbell Potter led us in an all quant. Uh, exercise to how do you know if you're ready to dance on point, oh. au point, on point, on, on your toes. On point. Yeah, with point shoes. With point shoes. Dr. Schwartz, in case you're wondering, I'm ready. Are you? I'm ready. Yeah, but because we did some, <laughs> we did some tests, we did the exercises uh -huh. or like ultrasound or, you know, yeah. whatever. Like, yeah. you know, Sam Smith did all these like, sports medicine electives and blah, 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 on and on yeah. and on. So like, if you can't do it, if you don't dream it, yep. anyway. Yeah. So, Schwartz, right. Thank you so much. This yeah. is like bringing back old memories. And then do you remember what we posted in the, so I, one of my uh, mentors in Uganda, would, when I was a student there would talk about 
um, he would say uh, when, when there was like a time of struggle or something, we may struggle, but we shall, but we may struggle, but we shall strive and someday we, we shall reach. Yes. I loved it. And so I like, you know, it became one of my mottos. We posted and it. And we posted it in clinic. It was right in clinic. Yep. Yep. We will struggle. We will strive. Someday we'll reach. Uh, anyway, so I don't know. I mean, what are you guys career-wise thinking at this point? And, uh, you know, I'm all, again, like I'm happy to talk about the research thing, but I'm also happy not to. Um, hi. Long time. It's okay. Um, Career-wise, I am going to do Sports Medicine Fellowship next year. Great. Yes, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, where? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. At the Hospital for Special Surgery. The three. Where were you? Where were you? Same. Same. Yeah, that's my spot. Mm -hmm. A well-trodden path. Really excited. That's <laughs> awesome. They only take one fellow a year. Really? And it's yeah, like, it's and she's going to be a primary care doctor to the New York Knicks and the New York Giants. And sports nets. So, like our nine-year-old is an NBA fanatic. So mm -hmm. maybe we should talk next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's great. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm kind of all over the place. Yeah. And so I think it's nice just hearing your story because I've been on a lot of like grad rotations recently, where I feel like everyone's like known their path since like they like day one intern or even before. There's people who are in like the two-year tracks. Um, and then I struggle with like trying to fit like all the different things that I like and then fitting in like can I also do this with like still practicing on the adult side mm -hmm. on the pediatric side and like do I have to right so just like it's nice hearing that there's different paths and that it's okay I don't yeah. really know what's going on yeah you were talking about the um, the paper we wrote based on the refugee experience and we were talking about like struggling and striving and you know sam i, I don't know if you probably remember that case report that we yeah. wrote together we had this i don't even remember what the case was do you yeah <laughs> it was um almost our kid induced nephropathy oh. celiac like oh. Yeah. yeah yes 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 <laughs> we thought it was so cool so cool it sounds cool so in the spirit of like you know turning things into academic output and really try you know we Jeremy pushed you so hard to like do this, and I was like really struggling. But we did. We we, we wrote did. it. We submitted it. It got rejected, it got rejected numerous times. At least twice. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately, then, we gave up on it. But did you, you presented it? Didn't we present it somewhere? I think it was we presented a, an it abstract. At Waterbury, like poster, whatever that thing. Research. Hey. Research. It was research. Yeah. yeah. So that which which count? You know that totally counts. Totally counts. Yeah. Totally counts. You guys. So yeah. So it's like on my CV. Right. It's like one of these stories that you know really yeah. push and try and try and as a resident you're busy and like the yeah. last thing you want to do at night is like work on that stinking paper. But you know, and and then the, but the other lesson in there is like at some point you know, we just sort of we're like you know what we're gonna get off. But well, you the know, feedback we had gotten was that like. There had sort of been multiple case reports. Then by that time. Yeah. Meaning like a couple. Sounds pretty novel to me. Yeah. 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 Cool I'd like reject it twice. That's just getting started. Right. Exactly. Which at this point, it's interesting. I wonder if I'd have a different approach now because it'd be like, Maybe. you know, one of the first lessons I learned academically was like, there's a home for every table. Hey, <laughs> yes, there but is. Whether you taught me that or someone else. There like, definitely. So is. I wouldn't rewrite it now. I mean, like, you like, 
I know because the problem is you go for like all the big places and then they just yeah. I submitted a paper to JAMA on it like a couple weeks ago and I looked at all they you know it doesn't go away and it just looks like reject, reject, reject. reject. Yeah. It went to a second page mm -hmm. all the stuff they wow. rejected. Yeah. Which I feel like maybe JAMA doesn't just appreciate my genius. Uh maybe the world doesn't. The world. I don't they will we laugh do. later. Yeah, we, we do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they say with under the, duress with, yeah. with a wink and a nudge. Yeah. Anyway, but the point is, rejection is just you know another opportunity. Totally. And like on the academic side, I mean, you got to just thick skin, and rejection is just part of it. Um, Do you mind? Can I ask you about your uh, research yeah. piece? Because perhaps you and I share this mm. that neither of us did. A research function, mm -hmm. and yet you got the chops, my friend, mm -hmm. right? Like you churn out hot stuff and share with us how you learned how yeah. to do that. Yep, sure. So, um, and you guys are going back to Wards, yeah? Mm -hmm. Okay, Waterbury, yeah. So, we'll, we'll keep our eye on the time. Is that right? accurate? Yes. Okay. So, um, right. So like here I am as a junior faculty member, you know, on a clinician educator path, like that's what I was going to do. I'm a firm chief. So I have this leadership role and doing a lot of, you know, inpatient medicine. And yet the fire in me was this Uganda global and non-communicable disease thing. Right. And I had to figure out how to make something of that. And it's very hard to find time and the energy and like the note like how do you what do i what do you even do with this so i talked about like you know we, we were fortunate we got a little bit of money we brought some people here we had this idea for what this research center of excellence could look like but you gotta like that's just fluff in a way i mean you had to fill that with product and so um so around that time uh marcella nunez smith who's professor of medicine you may have heard of her, you know, really prominent uh, in the health equity space. She was on Biden's task force uh, for COVID. But at the time, this was a decade ago, she had just gotten funded to establish a large cohort study on multiple islands in the Eastern Caribbean. And the cohort was around chronic disease. Uh, and uh, Steve Hewitt, again, like in his grandmaster way, was like, I think you need to meet with Marcella. So we met. And by the end of this really wonderful conversation, she had offered me a position as medical director because that was a hole that she had, had to fill. There was this clinical cohort happening and she needed someone with clinical expertise um, to, to fill that hole and to figure out like all the protocols and how do you do this? So, um, so I sort of became embedded in her sphere, which was very research heavy. So always talking about writing grants and, uh, you know, and papers and whatnot. And a lot of it in those early days was just sort of osmotically absorbed. You know, it was, I'm just surrounding myself by people who know this stuff and I don't know this stuff. And I don't know if I want to do this stuff, but like, it's cool to spend some time in that world, you know? But like that just sort of grew. And I started to come up with small research ideas, research project ideas. And I applied for like a $5,000. My first grant was a $5,000 grant from the Macmillan Center, which is an international center at Yale. And, um, and at the time, I'm, I'm this you know, busy junior faculty member who doesn't have time to do that, do that project himself. 
And so this is when I started, you know, leveraging Ugandan trainees and Yale trainees and, you know, find a public health student to go to Uganda for a summer and get a public health school grant and tack, you know, tack on another couple of thousand dollars from Yale. And like, that would be a project and it would lead to a paper. And, and like this kept happening. Um, so it was students, trainees who were doing the, the on the ground work, but it was helping us establish this program and, and establish a, an evidence base, a literature for chronic disease in Uganda, which didn't really exist at the time. And so it was really like slow and steady. And, uh, you know, I applied for my first federal grant under Marcella's chronic Caribbean project. Uh, it was like a project way too big for what I was set up, what I was in, you know, able to do at that point. It didn't even get close to getting funded, but the moral of the story is you got to write the damn, like if you, if you want to do the project, you have to write it. You have to imagine it and you have to partner with people who really know what they're doing and have the expertise. So that was its own, like, you know, learning to be really a team player, like in team doing team science and knowing like, okay, I have expertise in certain things, but I need a lot of other people to help me. Um, so that's very humbling, um, but super important. And it's a cool space. I mean, Marce this, this, yeah. what was, is, is it Eric? Yeah, at the Equity, Equity Research and Innovation Center. But my grant, this project was in, in the spirit of like talking about acronyms. It was spicier. That was it was called, it was a project called Spicier. I, I, I worked with like this world-renowned so, sodium and hypertension expert at Einstein because this was all about like sodium intake and hypertension and cardiovascular risk in the group. Anyway, uh, Spicier did not get funded and it died, it died a death, but we still talk about it in good spirits, but it opened me up to this uh, whole world of like writing grants and NIH and like, I didn't know anything about this. Anyway, so, so I kept sort of struggling and, you know, would, would, would write, I wrote a couple, you know, probably three or four. And initially they weren't even getting discussed, which that's the study sections, but then eventually they started getting discussed and scored. And then I got one. And Hooray! it was my first one, like 2018. Uh, it was a few hundred thousand dollars and that was like our biggest, you know, that was, that was huge. And um, anyway, uh, that is a project that still is now, that, that now is funded by a, you know, two and a half million dollar five-year grant in partnership with folks in Toronto and Uganda. And so it's this, it's become this really cool um, piece of what I do. Um, but that's, again, that's amazing. had a lot, like it was like, I was just actually, just piecing this together recently, like going back through the timeline, it was like 5,000, 5,000, 8,000, 20, 40, 200, 2 million. So that like, awesome. it was a long, slow process. And so hopefully this is just sort of another beginning, you know, these larger grants just got funded last year and hoping to continue to grow that, but that's, you know, and then, and then all, alongside all of this is like, wow, what do I do with my PED sports? Now it's like 10 years, right? Like what, you know, coming to terms with like these different pieces of you, what do I like, is my, you know, do I still want to do the firm chief thing? Like do how much clinical medicine do I need to do to feel good about what I'm doing, you know, to really take care of patients well. Right, because you could be a researcher. Yeah, I mean, not which yet. Is, right. Which is like yeah. totally amazing for, well, for someone who hasn't done 
a research fellowship to be at the space of getting $2.5 million grants. That's a big deal, Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, I, it's right? exciting. It's totally like, exciting. Like, but it, uh, you know, point being, like, it comes with all of these other decisions that need to be made. And um, so, you know, all that circuitous journey that I described through residency, it's still, you know, it's still is at play as you try to figure out, like, what's the balance of what, what feels right and what is right. Do, do, do you remember when you got the, the, the moment you got your big $2 million, $2.5 million yeah. grant? Like, you open the email, like, do you remember that experience? Um, I do. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 tell us uh, that story. Yeah, and then we have to we have to wrap because it's one. But um, I don't actually know if there's much of a story to it. We had signals that it was happening for a couple of months, and um, I you want drama? I'm not sure you're going to get drama, but it was really <laughs> it was it was really exciting. And I and I I, I, I screenshotted you know the thing, and I still have that on my computer. You know, I look look at that. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So anyway. That story is our benediction. Uh, Dr. Schwartz, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Over and out, and as we say, onwards in hope. We shall reach. <laughs>